0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 9th of August 2015, entitled Identity Crisis, Part 4. And the Bible readings are taken from Matthew, Chapter 4, verses 12 to 22, and Acts, Chapter 4, verse 31. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You'd like to be opening your Bibles this morning. Acts, Chapter 4, verse 31, if you'd like to uh, hold your finger there. If you're using a digital Bible, then uh, you can't put a finger there, but uh, (laughs) we're going to read first of all from Matthew chapter 4, passage that we will be finishing up this evening. We've looked at for the last three, or the last two Sundays, this is the third Sunday, speaking on the thought of an identity crisis. In Matthew chapter 4, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word taken from Matthew chapter 4 beginning in verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed from Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun." In the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets, and he called them. They immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. Father, as we have the wonderful, glorious privilege of looking into your word once again today, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it's been preserved for us down through the centuries like no other piece of literature ever, ever written. Father, thank you that as we're here today that we know that we need not rely only upon man's wisdom and intelligence to understand these words, but Lord, by your spirit that you've left with us, to help and give us understanding that is beyond human comprehension. Father, today, as we look into your word, Lord, you do know every individual. You knew exactly who would be here today before we came. You know each and every heart. You know what each one needs to hear this day. Lord, I have no earthly idea. I only know the words that you've laid upon our hearts, but Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would take and speak as only you can speak. Use your servant, but by the power of your spirit, speak not only to the minds and the ears which I can speak to today, but, Lord, may you speak to the hearts of each individual. Meet the needs of everyone that is here. Lord, may each and every one of us leave here a better person, more like our Savior today than when we came. and We give you the praise and honor for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. Well, as is often the case in the situations where that we are looking at a passage, as I said, this is the fourth sermon in this series that we've been looking at, entitled Identity Crisis. And just a couple of definitions that we have given to you is what do we mean by Identity. Well, some of the definitions that I found said the condition of being a certain person or thing. A person's conception and expression of their own self-identity and others' individuality or group. A condition of being something and a person's conception, what we see, the expression of who we are and who others are around us. The distinguishing character or personality of an individual. And so if you'll just keep in mind as we continue our thoughts here today, your identity is what defines you as a unique individual. You are unique. There is not another one of you anywhere on the face of this earth. Never has been, never will be. You have an identity that defines you as who you are. Sometimes people have what is known as an identity crisis. Now I've read to you and I read to you again this morning the definition of what an identity crisis is. An identity crisis is a time in life when an individual begins to seriously look for answers about the nature of his or her being and the search for an identity. They begin to try to figure out, who am I? What does define me as a person? 20th century developmental psychologist Eric Erickson developed this term, which is used frequently, He used it mostly to apply to the period of transition in the teenage years when kids begin to define what they will do as adults and what their values are. It is now thought that an identity crisis, though, may occur at any time of life, especially in periods of great transition. When big changes come in your life, When your life is about to take a new path, when things are going to be different than what they were, what he's saying is that often during times of great change like that, you're going along and everything is is as it has been, and you know what it is, and you know how to not define it, but suddenly there are changes that come. And along with that sometimes will come an identity crisis. Who am I? What am I doing? Where am I going with my life? What is it that defines me as an individual? Now, we've talked much about this fact that today, one of the things that is just a part of life that even probably 10 years ago, we wouldn't even have known what the term was, and that's a selfie. (laughs) I've taken a physical selfie. I showed you, and every one of you identified that picture of that guy that was on there because it looked like me. It was my physical features. I saw a lot of selfies being taken yesterday. I won't call any names, but you know now there's even big business in buying these selfie sticks so you can get that phone way on out there so you can get a better picture of, of you and all your friends together. Selfies. And they're posted up, and in a matter of minutes, they're literally all over the world. Not even minutes. Microseconds. <laughs> they travel through cyberspace and everybody sees your identity, who you are, what you are doing right now. But we set our purpose in looking at these passages is my challenge is not to take out your phone and take a physical selfie, but to take up the only camera that will give you an accurate picture of your spiritual self and take a spiritual selfie. We need to take some spiritual selfies. We're all familiar we're taking every, all, all these things. Something exciting is happening. Something's going on. We want to we get a photo of it right quick. We need to be taking spiritual selfies. Who are we? Where are we right now in our life? Not just physically, but spiritually. We can't go back. If you want to go back and look at those sermons, we've looked, first of all, that identities are certain. People are identified by all kinds of different things you know, what they call themselves and where they come from and uh, their race and the language they speak and, you know, the work that they do and all these different things, even a bunch of numbers, their national insurance numbers and account numbers and employee numbers and all these different things. God forbid, prisoner numbers are all identified by all these things, but they're certain. They are your identity. They identify you to someone We also saw that identities are chosen. Parents choose names for their children so they can identify them, so that everybody in the world doesn't have all their children called boy and girl. We can identify, we can distinguish between them because they've been given names. Names have been chosen to identify them. People sometimes don't like their names. They choose their own names or they choose nicknames and people choose titles and all these different things. Even companies have different things to identify their staff as to who they are and what they do. We've seen that in Scripture that identities were chosen as well. Jesus Christ chose his identity. He chose because he saw absolutely no problem being equal with God and being identified with God because he was God. But he chose to be identified with man and to come as a servant and to be identified with us in our lives. We saw that Peter was then chosen by Jesus Christ. Our reading in Matthew, (coughs) this was the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. This was the first recorded act. This was the first thing that we see of Jesus in scriptures. His first words that he spoke in his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Repent. And then as he said that, he turned to these two fishermen and said, follow me. They were known as fishers of fishes. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You see, Jesus Christ chose Peter, and Peter chose to follow Jesus Christ along with his brother And along with the others that he chose, and along with everyone that's been chosen by him since, we saw in Scripture how that you, you as an individual without question, you have been chosen by God. Just as those first ones, just as Jesus began his public ministry, he has chosen you to be part of his family. But just as Peter, you have a choice to make. You see, Jesus invites you to come and follow him but you have to choose whether you will do that or not. And so we see that identities are certain. Identities are chosen. We saw thirdly that identities can be changed. Peter's identity was changed. When he chose to follow Jesus upon that invitation, Jesus said, you're no longer going to be identified as a fisher of fishes. You're going to be identified as a fisher of men. That which defines you as a person, Peter, is going to change. And we see how people's identities can be changed in a lot of ways. But your identity can be changed. We look in Ephesians chapter 1, where that you were chosen in love to be holy and unblameable. Before a holy God, adopted by God to be his child, accepted into the family of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, forgiven of all of your sins, given a godly wisdom and understanding that is beyond this world's and man's. You see, identities can be changed. And we saw last week that identities can be confusing. <laughs> they can be confusing. Peter's identity became very confusing, and we looked at that, how the, yes, he said, I'll follow Jesus, and he did follow Jesus, and for three and a half years, he followed Jesus, and yes, during that time, he did some stupid things, and he said some stupid things, but he kept on following until that day when Jesus was there in the judgment hall, (laughs) and Jesus had declared, Lord, nothing will ever, nothing will ever make me deny you. They can lock me away in prison. They can take my life. They can do whatever they want. I will never deny you. And Jesus said, before the cock throws, before that cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And he did. And we saw that. We saw that identities can be confusing. They can be confusing when you deny who you are. They can be confusing when you claim to be what you're not or when you claim to be what your life is not showing you to be. We saw how the identity of the churches in Revelation became confusing and that in all of those, Jesus' message was the same. Repent. Repent. If you have an ear, hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says to the churches, repent, change directions. You've messed up. You got your identity confused. Repent, follow me. That's the only way you can keep your identity clear. 1 John 1, 9 said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. And what we want to see is that even when you've messed up, Even when you have stood there and denied the Lord, there's still hope. If you will confess your sins, he will forgive you of your sins. He will cleanse you from all of those mistakes. And I want to give you this final thought this morning. Identities. Identities are certain. They are chosen. They are changed. They can be confusing. But finally... Identities must be confirmed, must be confirmed. You have to do this all the time in your life. You know, if, if you're driving down the road, if you're a driver and you do something silly and you get pulled over by that officer, you know one of the first things that he wants to see when he comes up to that car? He wants you to confirm your identity. He wants your driver's license. He wants to know who you are. You go to get on a flight, to fly anywhere in the world. What do they want? They want to see a photo ID. If you're flying out of the country, that's got to be a passport. They want you to confirm who you are, to confirm it. There's all kinds of ways of doing that. But I'm saying to you that just saying that you're something isn't enough, just saying that you're somebody isn't enough. You can go out and tell everybody in the world that you're a medical doctor, and that you're able to fix whatever else, that physical body. But you need to be able to produce the credentials to confirm who you are before you hang that shingle, as they call it, outside on the wall out there, saying, come in, I'm a doctor. Your identity must be confirmed. You see, Peter's identity had become very confusing at this point in his life. He had an identity crisis. I mean, on the one hand, he knew in his heart, and I believe he was as serious and genuine as he could be. Lord, I don't want to deny you. I can't think of anything that would bring me to a point that I would deny you. And yet, he did deny the Lord Jesus. You see, thank God... He didn't stay there, though. He was a follower of Jesus. He had chosen to follow Jesus. He came to a point in his life when he had an identity crisis, but he didn't have to stay there. He did something about it. Do you know that's the same with so many things, and that's what I really want to close out this series with today. You can have your identity. But if you can't prove who you are, you'll never get on that plane. I don't care if you are specifically John Doe. If you can't confirm who you are, you're not going to get on that plane. If you can't confirm who you are, you're not going to be able to get some of those jobs and do some of those things unless you can confirm your identity. Today, you can know it. But what I'm saying to you is, are you going to prove it? (laughs) Are you going to confirm to this world that you are a Christian, that you are a little Christ, that you are a follower of Christ? That's what the term is all about. You can say, I'm a Christian until you're blue in the face. You can never speak another word in your life except I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Can you today, can you confirm Your identity, the faith, and the person that Peter once denied. He was identified as a follower of Christ. Even others were looking at him. Hey, you're one of those. You're one of those that followed him. You're one of those that walked with him. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But may I say that he later confirmed with all his heart. (laughs) Do you remember what happened when he... Denied Jesus that third time, and suddenly that rooster took out the to crowing. The <laughs> Bible doesn't say that Jesus said a word. He just looked over at Peter. <laughs> he just looked him in the eye. Didn't speak a word. He didn't say, you low-down thing. Look how you messed up, Peter. Peter, I told you so. He didn't say any of that. He just looked at him. I believe with all the love you can comprehend and imagine in a face, The Bible says Peter wept bitterly. Peter broke. (laughs) Peter knew what he had done. He never intended to do it. He didn't mean to do it. He didn't plan to do it. But he did it. And when he realized what he had done, it broke his heart. But do you know what? He could have continued crying until they put him in the grave. And it wouldn't have accomplished anything unless he did something about it. Did do something about it. In Acts chapter 2, turn back just a few pages from where we read there in Acts chapter 4 a minute ago. If you don't hear anything that I say this morning, I want to read some verses here that I want you just to listen to and see what happened to Peter. We can't read all of it, but in Acts chapter 2, notice beginning in verse 14, the same Peter. The same Peter that three and a half years before, soon as Christ said, follow me, he sacrificed everything. He left his home. He left his job. He left his, his, his means of taking care of himself. He left it all behind. And follow Jesus. We find that three and a half years later, a crisis came in his life, a big change. This was a big transition period. Jesus Christ was getting ready to be nailed to a cross. He was getting ready to return to heaven from whence he came. Peter had an identity crisis when those changes came for him. But you see, <laughs> Peter did something about it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, Word of God says, But Peter, Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. These people were acting so strange, everybody around them thought that they were drunk. He says, They're not drunk like you think. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. My servants and upon my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and he carries on, and here is Peter standing before this crowd. He is preaching his heart out. The same Peter that had had an identity crisis, the same Peter that had denied Jesus before the crowds, now Jesus has been hung on the cross. Now Jesus has gone back to heaven. And here's Peter before the crowd on the day of Pentecost. Notice down in verse 37, now when they heard this, They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, there's that word again, repent. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Peter, this promise is for you. Peter says this promise is for you to those he's preaching to. This promise is for your children. As a matter of fact, this promise is for as many as far off as you can imagine. This promise is for all that the Lord our God shall call. You see, that goes back to the chosen. (laughs) Maybe here today, God has you here to hear that still small voice that nobody can explain calling to you, come follow me. Right now, your identity is with the world. You're either for me or against me. There is no in between. You're on God's side or you're on Satan's side. There is no other sides in this, folks. That is the spiritual battle that is out there. You're identified as a sinner. I want to change your identity to that of a saint. The greatest, greatest change of identity that can ever take place in anybody's life. If God will call you, when God calls you, this promise is for you. And listen, and with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Save yourselves from this world and all of its sin and all the chaos that is going on around you. Yes, it's confusing, but you can save yourself from that. I'm calling you out of that. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The first sermon preached after Jesus had returned is being preached by the very one that had had an identity crisis when this great transition came in his life. He had actually denied Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something, he's not denying him anymore. When he realized what he did, he did something about it. Each and every one of us, none of us are different. There's nobody here today that can climb up on some pedestal and say, look at me. We are all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is only one that it matters. The comparison between you and his glory that we were singing about earlier. You can compare yourself to other human beings and you may come out pretty high on the list. But the only one that it really matters is that we have all come short of the glory of God. That's the bull ring that matters. That's what makes a difference because all have sinned and come short of that glory. And the wages of sin is death. That's what comes from sin. That's what happened in the garden when man chose to disobey God. The Bible teaches that when sin entered in, that's when death came. There was no death until sin came. The wages of sin is death. If God allowed your tiny sin to enter heaven, death would enter with it. There would be no more heaven. The same thing that happened to this earth would happen there. With that sin would come death. You see, Peter, Peter messed up bad. He just stood there and verbally cursed and denied that he was a follower of Jesus. But when he saw Jesus looking at him, he broke. (laughs) He repented. And now he is standing here preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That day, 3,000 people put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Peter was confirming his identity. (laughs) He was standing there and he said, this is who I am now. In Acts chapter four, leading up to our reading earlier, back up just a few verses and notice what it says there in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, we won't go into all the details, but bottom line is they're looking at these guys. There is no logical explanation. They didn't have their university degree. They didn't have all the letters to follow their name. They didn't have these things. The men, these were everyday people. These were fishermen. What in the world is going on here? They had been with Jesus Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? Why? Because they were being perceived, they were being identified with Jesus. What shall we do with these men? For... That indeed a notable notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. We can't deny what God's done through these guys. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name, in the name of Jesus. And they called them. And they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, you be the judge of that. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You're going to have to judge for yourselves whether you think it's right before man or not, but listen, we can't do anything else. We have to speak the things that we've seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. Because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. They went, and look, this is what they have told us. They have threatened us that we cannot preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They can't deny the things that God is doing, the work that he's doing. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, or of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. They all tried to destroy Jesus while he was yet a baby, or to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant them to thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They're praying, Lord. Look what they're threatening. Look what they're trying to do to look how they're trying to shut us up. Lord, please give us the boldness that we might speak your word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. When they had prayed, as we read earlier, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. How did they confirm their identity? By the word of God. They boldly proclaimed the word of God to confirm who they were. They weren't just calling themselves Christians. They were being Christians. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came and gave his life on that cross to die for those that were lost, to give them life. And now with their own lives being threatened before them. They stood up. and They confirmed who they were. I don't have time this morning, but if you look in verse 31 there, you will see four ingredients. You might say this morning, first of all, I am challenging you. And I wish, I wish if, if I knew a word or a way, I want each and every one of you take a spiritual selfie. Have you followed Jesus Christ? I know that every one of you have heard the words, he has invited you to come and to follow him. He has invited you to forsake your sins and to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, the world may hate you. Yes, they may want to put you to death. Yes, they may think that you're some kind of a weakling. I'm saying to you, the real courage is to stand in the face of it. And the real courage does not come with who you are. Never think that you're such a grand, strong, smart person because you're a Christian. You humbly accept the fact that, man, you only have one hope, and that's Jesus. You're only here because of his grace. And there are four ingredients. Four ingredients to help these people to confirm their identity. First, the first one that you see there is prayer. Prayer. That's what they were doing. And when they had prayed... That's when something happened. Christians, you can have all the greatest determination and best intentions in the world to truly be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But may I say, the Apostle Peter had all those intentions, but he had an identity crisis and he failed. How can you, how can you confirm your identity First of all, you'll never, ever, ever be strong enough to do it without prayer. It won't happen. You can be a good person. You can have the best intentions, but you'll never do it unless you're in tune, in communication with the one that you're following, Jesus, only through prayer. We find the second thing there. Notice that it says that, and they had prayed, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where what? Where they were assembled together. And we can look in the Bible. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some. You know, some people are. Some people don't think that they need to be in church, that they need to have that fellowship with their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but... Exhorting one another, encouraging one another, strengthening one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, as things get worse, we need that more. Here, they were assembled together. I'm saying to you, look, none of us are strong enough to do it on our own. We need God, and we need each other. We've got to realize that. We've got to accept that. You want to truly be able to identify yourself as a Christian. You want to be able to proclaim that to the world. You want to be able not just with some words that will fail, but to confirm who you are. It takes prayer. It takes Christian fellowship. Notice next there, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) You've heard me say it many times, and I'm not going to go through it all again this morning. If you're a Christian, you can't get any more of the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call him, you are not a child of God. The Bible says that, not me. So if you have him, he is a person, the third person of the Trinity, of the triune God that we worship. Here they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, just like Peter, when he went to follow the Lord the first, he gave up everything, he total surrender. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not you getting more of Him. It's Him getting more of you. That's the only way. He's there. Does He have control of your life? You see, in order to confirm your identity as a child of God, must, must, must come with prayer. It must come with Christian fellowship, being around people that have the same goal. The truth is this, when you become a child of God, it's not the things of this world that are the priorities anymore. It's God first. You can love better when God's first. You can be a better friend when God comes first. When you get off the self-centeredness, and he takes the priority in your place, prayer, Christian fellowship, supporting, encouraging one another, total surrender to him, being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit that lives within. And there's one fourth ingredient there. What was it that they spake? They spake the word of God with boldness. Notice something here. It began with the word of God coming unto them, and then it's the word of God going out with boldness from them. God's Word. It's not our words. It's not our philosophies. It's not our ideas. That which will make us strong is God's Word coming into our lives. And that's what must be boldly proclaimed out of our lives is the Word of God. Prayer. The Word of God. Christian fellowship. These things are absolutely all essentials and being filled and controlled by God. Him doing the work through our lives. Then you'll truly be able to confirm your identity. Can I ask you a question? Our our, our time is gone. Will you please do one thing for me today? Rather than taking out your phone and taking a physical selfie, would you take God's word right now and take a spiritual selfie? Be honest with yourself. Are you maybe having an identity crisis? Whether you're a a non-Christian or a Christian, do you know who you are? What it is that's defining you as a person, is that the person you want to be? Do you want to be the person that God, the creator of the universe, that created you and gave you life in the first instance? We can go through a lot of things there, but that same God, the life he gave you, he wants it to be forever. He wants you to have eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the verse doesn't stop there. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the way to have it. Today, when you look at yourself, are you a follower? I can promise you he's calling you. He's chosen you, but you will answer, and you will answer today. Your answer is either yes or no. You'll follow or you're not follow. You either might even if you say I'll put it off and decide later, you're choosing not to follow now. You don't know that you've got later. You know that you've got now. Who are you? Who are you? Are you a follower of Christ? Are you one that's been forgiven? Are you saved by his grace and Christian? Who are you? <laughs> You know that you said yes to the Lord one day when he called you, but are you having an identity crisis? <laughs> Does what you say and what you do and all of these things, do they confirm your identity as to who you really are? You could say it all the time, but what the world needs is not just a bunch of sayers, not just a bunch of hearers, it needs some doers. The first recorded message of Jesus in Scripture was in Matthew four seventeen. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His message to the churches at the end of Scripture that represents all churches right down through the ages as recorded for us in Revelation 2 and 3. These churches had drifted in their identity. Their identities had become confusing. His message to them was repent for him that has an ear hear what the spirit says unto the churches will you hear what god is saying to you today will you do what he's asked to you you see jesus began with a message to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand his last recorded message in scripture is found in revelation chapter 22 verse 20, when he says, surely I come quickly. Surely I come quickly. You might say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. That's not very quick. Oh, let me tell you, that's very quick. The older you get, the more you realize just how quick. Our lives are so quick. I mean, I mean I'm talking about, you know, folks, it only seems a few blinks ago. When I was a, a kid still in school, when I was a, a, a young man and we were just beginning our family, I mean a few blinks ago. Let me tell you, to a God of eternity, 2,000 years isn't even a blink. The only reason that it so, seems so long to us is because we are so limited with it ourselves because of sin. But God's offered to overcome that sin problem for you to where time is taken out because he's outside of time. Surely, I come quickly. The message is the same. Repent. Listen, not to what man says, but to what the Spirit says to you. Time is short. Jesus is coming. Jesus' first words to Peter were, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Peter, follow me. I will change your identity. I will change that which defines you as a human being. You'll no longer be known by what you do in this world as a fisher of fishes. You'll be known as a fisher of men. Peter did follow. And Peter stumbled. Peter faltered. Peter had made some bad choices. <laughs> You know, we don't have time to read this morning, but if you turn to John chapter 21, you'll find in the closing gospel of John a conversation of Jesus telling Peter exactly what kind of death that he was going to die. (laughs) Peter was going to be crucified just like Jesus was. (laughs) Jesus tells him, Peter You chose to follow me. In the world's eyes, this is going to end bad for you. Matter of fact, tradition says that Peter was so humbled that when they came to crucify him, he had them crucify him upside down because he didn't deserve to be crucified in the same way as his Savior. But what I want you to grasp there is the first words Jesus ever spoke to Peter was, Peter, follow me. Just follow me, Peter. You know what the last words that Jesus ever spoke to Peter after he told him how he was going to lose his life in this world in john twenty one twenty two he says "Peter, follow thou me, follow me peter <laughs> i know I know to the world it looks bad, but Peter, just follow me that 's the way it starts. You see, it starts with repentance and it ends with repentance. We are sinners. All we can do is turn from that. But it's not turning from our sin to just nothing. It's turning to follow Jesus Christ. Our life begins when we choose to be identified with him, to follow him, no matter what the world throws at us. And there'll be times when we may have an identity crisis. I mean, we may need to figure out who we are and where we're going, but in all of it, We need to follow Jesus. Our life begins with following Him. And it will all end with following Him. Following Him into a new heaven and a new earth. You see, to be identified with Christ requires repentance from beginning to end. It requires following Him whatever the cost from start to finish. Folks, I love you today. And I trust and pray that in these simple verses that you can grasp this. As Shelley comes to the piano, we're going to we're going to sing three verses of a closing hymn. And I'm not ashamed and I do not apologize that right now I want to put you on the spot. You see, the truth is, is that I don't really care if you've heard anything that came from me today, but I do hope that you've heard what's come from God's Word. And it is a very simple message. Who are you? Who are you in this world? What defines you as a person? And do you want to be defined as being on the side of God, the one that loved you so much he's done it all for you? He created you, he gave you life, and then he came to die for your sins because your sins would kill you. So he came to take that death for you, to pay that price for you so that you could have his gift of life. Now you can make light of that all you want to, but Jesus, when he says, follow me today and I'll make you fishers of men, follow me today and I'll change your identity. Not from just being known by what you do in this world, but by what you do for the Lord. What does your life accomplish for him? Today, he wants you not to wait and decide what you're going to, he wants you right now. The The writer of this song says, just as I am, without one plea, you know, that's each and every one of us. Today, God wants you, non-Christian, he wants you just like you are, just to admit your sin and realize that. The only way you can have forgiveness is not by becoming a better person or doing some kind of following some set of rules or becoming part of some church or some religious organization. It's by following Jesus. Following Jesus. He's the only one. Will you turn from your sin and turn to Jesus to follow Him with your life? And Christian, has your identity been being confirmed in the right way lately? Maybe today. Maybe you need to get out of that seat where you are and quit saying, I'm a Christian, and broadcasting it to the world. Maybe you need to humble yourself upon your knees this morning and say, Lord, I'm not just going to say it. I'm going to do it. You have my life. You have all of me. Do with me as you would. I will follow you wherever you want me to go. Today, the Lord is waiting with outstretched loving arms just as you are. And, of course, the song says, I come. Will you come to Jesus today? As we stand, as we sing together, if you need to come to Jesus today, I invite you to come as we sing.